to the USA Hockey Podcast, a youth sports conversation focused on providing players, coaches, and parents with engaging and informative content that they can use at home and at the rink. Tune in as we chat with some of the greatest people around ice hockey and youth sports. Join the discussion on Twitter at USA Hockey Coach. Now, let's drop that puck. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have two guests on to chat about building strong relationships between coaching and officiating. So our first guest that we're going to welcome on has over 40 years of officiating experience within the USHL, WCHA, and many other leagues and levels. Currently serving as USA Hockey's Director of Officiating Education Program, please welcome on Matt Leaf. Thanks, Zach, and looking forward to uh, spending the next uh, uh, few minutes with you and Heather. Yeah, awesome. And as Matt alluded to, we do have our next guest um, who spent some time with a group researching what makes sport fun for children, then hired on with USA Hockey as an ADM manager of female hockey, but now serving as USA Hockey's manager of education and player development. Please welcome on Heather Mannix. Thanks, Zach. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have both of you on as Heather spent a lot of time in the coaching education side and obviously Matt spending a lot of time in the officiating education program. Um, so I will start this off with Matt here and I'd love to hear a, a little summary of your youth sport journey and kind of really how you ended up in uh, officiating. Okay, uh, thanks, Zach. Um, I grew up in a small town, uh, western Wisconsin, with an outdoor rink. Um, my father and some other friends, uh, other families, started a hockey association uh, when I was probably seven or eight years old, and and uh, uh, played through uh, through the club high school there. Uh, started officiating when I was probably about thirteen or so, um, just as a way to stay involved in the game. Um, my dad also fish did some officiating in a, again, a small town outdoor rink, um, uh, didn't get paid anything other than, uh, maybe a cup of hot chocolate, uh, in between games, but, um, took that to the, uh, uh, to the university of Wisconsin, Madison, where I went to school, um, in the early 1980s and, uh, got involved with the Dane County hockey officials association, a very, very strong, uh, local youth hockey organization. And, uh, officials group and um and really saw an avenue on the officiating side where i i was going to be able to do some things um in hockey that uh, uh that never imagined that i would have been able to accomplish as a player uh, to, to be able to work at the ncaa level ushl uh and those types of things uh um, so got actively involved as a volunteer um, i was a local instructor i was the first ever central district evaluation coordinator uh, for the officiating program, um, got involved in some national camps on the instructor and, and uh, camp director side of things, the admin side. And uh, basically, when uh, uh, this position opened up, uh, they contacted me and asked us if I was interested back in uh, late 1994. And um, it, it's worked out ever since. So um, basically, my path was uh, a grassroots all the way through youth hockey player started officiating at a young age, saw some opportunities as an official to do some things that uh, uh, allowed me to stay in the game and, and got very actively involved as a volunteer that uh, that created the opportunities and opened the door for me to be involved uh, with USA Hockey on the national staff side of things. Awesome. So we can thank uh, that nice father-son duo and really good hot chocolate for Matt Leaf being a part of this uh, officiating program here, right? Yes, correct. For sure. Can you tell me about what, what was that like? Uh, kind of like that father son, uh, officiating together. Yeah, it, it wasn't even so much, uh, officiating together. Um, he, uh, he had played hockey. Uh, he grew up in the Minneapolis area, uh, and played hockey, uh, as a youth and, and through high school, uh, involved in the state tournaments and those types of things, um, was actually, uh, reg or actually was set up to go play, um, at the University of Minnesota, but uh, um, the the war and and uh, the Marines got in the way and and broke his leg um, and never really quite recovered to to the extent that he was able to play at a high level, but played some senior men's in Minneapolis. Um, and again, uh, small town dairy farm, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, we had a pond back in the back forty, and and it started out with uh, 
four or five family friends of ours getting together every Sunday afternoon, uh, walking back to the pond um, and lacing them up and, and stuff like that into building a small rink, uh, outdoor rink in, in Baldwin, Wisconsin. And, and uh, like I say, he was, he was kind of sort of one of those, you know, small town hockey association um, that, uh, you know, made sure the ice was made uh, to coach, to officiate, to sharpen skates um, and pretty much did all of that. So, um, didn't spend a whole lot of time necessarily by the time I got to 13 or 14 officiating with him. Uh, but certainly, uh, my father's influence had a, a um, in his ba hockey background and passion for the game certainly had a, a very big impact in terms of, uh, developing my passion as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And we've heard a lot of guests so far that really talk about that, that background and get really getting into hockey, whether it's their, uh, family member or even just playing street hockey with friends or, or going out on the pond, like going out on the pond is something I've heard a lot from, from all these episodes. So, um, really cool. And, and let's get into, let's get into Heather here, Heather. I'd love to hear kind of your youth sport, um, journey and, and now how you kind of made your way into working within youth sports with USA hockey. Yeah. Um, so I learned how to skate shortly after I learned how to walk growing up in uh, just south of Detroit, Michigan. And uh, my brother played hockey. So I grew up in hockey rinks. Uh, definitely. I think there's, you know, there's videos of me with pigtails with mini sticks and a tape ball running around all sorts of rinks in, uh, in downriver Michigan. And <clears throat> I, uh, I played, grew up playing AAA, played with Michigan Capitals, Little Caesars, Ice Dogs. Um, then I played at Western Michigan, ACHA, um, ended up transferring over to Wayne State, finished my, my, uh, bachelor's degree there, and then I uh, made my way over to George Washington University. And that's kind of where it's like a, you know, a trajectory shifter, if you will, where, um, I was out of hockey, uh, at that time. So I took about, you know, eight or nine years away from the rink and, uh, I think realizing and recognizing just how much hockey, you know, was an influence in my life and how much I missed it. Um, getting into youth sport research was, I, it was like a, you know, a gateway getting me back into the game. And so I was able to, I was lucky enough to work with Dr. Amanda Visick on uh, that study that you alluded to, the, uh, the fun integration theory, where we actually were able to operationally define what makes playing sports fun for kids. Um, so we were able to work with players, parents, and coaches and uh, got them to, to help us understand how do we create this fun experience for kids, knowing that that's the number one reason why they, um, why they play sports, why they you know, continue to play sports, and why they you know, achieve some of the highest levels. And so I um, was able to work with her. I got my master's in uh, sport and exercise, or sorry, in, um, in exercise science. And my, my research was in sport and exercise psychology. So that uh, understanding the, the motivation and how to keep people engaged in exercise and sport um, is really kind of a passion of mine. And so when I moved back to Michigan, um, I knew that I wanted to get back into hockey. My dad was also my coach growing up. And, uh, and that was something that you know, I always admired him and everything that he did for us. And so I knew that coaching was definitely something that I wanted to do. So I started coaching once I got back to Michigan and, uh, and met Jack Witt, who was our, our coach in chief um, for Michigan. And he uh, he heard about the the study and promptly promptly asked me to start presenting that information um, at our level four coaching clinics in Michigan. And that's really kind of how I got my foot in the door um, on the volunteer side was through the coaching education program. And, uh, and so when the ADM manager for female hockey position opened up, um, I applied for it and, and got it and, uh, and kind of all she wrote, it's, it's just been kind of walking through every door that opens. I just continue to try to walk through it and, and make an impact uh, in whatever position that I'm in. Yeah, and you've definitely made a, a really big impact in our coaching education side of things. And uh, now you've transitioned into a different role, still working in coaching education, obviously. But can you explain kind of what your new role is all about? Yeah, so um, so working as the manager of education, this is the I think the exciting part is, you know, like you, you mentioned, uh, I was been heavily involved in the coaching education side and 
and working with some amazing people and developing the curriculum for for the coaching ed side. Um, but now I think you know we've we've kind of adopted this philosophy of breaking down silos and building synergy within our organization. And so um, this is where I think the the manager of education uh, position is an exciting one because now I get to work with other areas where I wasn't, you know, I haven't had the chance to work yet. So uh, Matt Leaf and I will be working closely together and, uh, and trying to, you know, bring all of our education up to speed and, uh, and, and having just kind of the cohesiveness between, between the different departments. So, um, you know, building bridges with uh, with officials and coaches, hopefully mending some of those uh, bridges and fences and uh, and kind of helping to, to build those relationships. So I think kind of getting my feet in, in other, other doors as well. Yeah. And, and like you said, you're, you'll be working pretty close with Matt here and making sure that, that we're able to kind of build those bridges. And so uh, Matt, what, what exactly, what, what is your role in terms of what you do with the officiating program? Yeah, basically, um, kind of sort of uh, responsible for the education uh, component of the officiating program and everything from overseeing the registration process uh, to the development of education materials and curriculum. Um, been involved also with, uh, obviously, the the day-to-day -day operations of the officiating program, everything from uh, national tournaments to player development camps. Uh, been involved with the Inter International Ice Hockey Federation as both a uh, officiating committee member for 12 years and um, and, a, and an officiating coach. Um, so really kind of sort of a, a um, pretty wide array of, of things that are all things officiating as it relates to, to USA Hockey. But the primary role really uh, boils down to um, the education component and uh, and putting together some sort of a world-class uh, education curriculum to uh, – set each of our officials up for success, regardless of, of age, ability, um, skill level, um, you know, and, and, uh, and essentially what, uh, what their respective goals are. Um, it's important for us to have a uh, very good peewee referees or 12 U referees, uh, just as many of them as we do that, uh, can work at the junior level. So if that's what that official's goal is, and, and that's what, uh, um, that skill set allows that official uh, to be able to do, um, we need to make sure that we're working together um, with uh, um, with the other components, the coaching program, uh, with Heather now on the education side of things, uh, to set each official up for success in terms of what they'd like to accomplish. Yeah, that's that's really cool, and I love that you talked about the you know really world class education. Like we want to. We, that's what we want to be, right? We want to have the best coaches, the best players, the best officials, right? We want to do uh, everything at, at, at the top level, right? And so I, I really love how you said that. And um, let's kind of, we're going to kind of dig in a little bit to what our topic is now uh, a little bit more. And Matt, I might refer to you for some of the officiating questions and Heather, I might refer to you for some of the coaching questions, but understand that each and every one of you can answer uh, any of these questions as we go. So um, I did want to start with, I saw an article recently that had some interesting uh, statistics about who is actually officiating some of our youth hockey games. And I was very surprised by how young and new a lot of the officials are. And so I'm sure this is something that we're looking to attack from, from both the coaching and officiating side. And so Starting with the officials, can you tell me what steps are being taken to support officials and to get more more officials involved and, and then keep them involved? So, Matt, can you tell me from the officiating side, what are some things you guys are doing to to go? Yeah, after? it's uh, it, the, the officiating side in hockey is is maybe a little bit unique in, in the aspect of that. Uh, um, it takes a, a skill set, you know, the, the skating ability and a knowledge in the game to become a nice hockey official that some of the other sports don't necessarily have. Um, and uh, the shortage of officials and some of the issues that have been uh, uh, raised over the last couple of years, and especially with COVID um, are not exclusive necessarily to ice hockey. Um, they involve all the youth sports in, in some form or capacity. Um, and I'm not sure it's all, in fact, I will say with quite a bit of certainty, 
it's not all necessarily COVID related, uh, but COVID certainly expedited the process uh, in terms of getting to the point where uh, we were going to have a shortage of uh, of officials. Um, so hockey is a little bit unique in that because of the skill set and because of um, that skating ability that is required, the vast majority of our officials are going to be players or they're going to be former players um, that have been involved or coaches that have been involved in the game in some form or some capacity. Um, so with that being said, just a, a, a few of the numbers real quick, um, we have roughly 27,500 officials, which is fantastic. That's actually an 18% increase over last season on the same date. Um, but with that, they are they are a little bit younger and they are less experienced than they ever have been before. Um, roughly 44% of those officials are under the age of 18 right now. So they are currently playing. Um, they are playing on their Bantam teams, their midget teams, their high school teams. They have limited availabilities on weekends because they are um, also playing their two or three sometimes four games, whatever it might be. Um, so they are getting involved and they are putting themselves in a position to become officials and hopefully develop a passion for that. Um, but we really are limited in terms of how much we can use them in some capacity and certainly limited in terms of them being able to gain their necessary experience to be successful. The other interesting statistic is if you're going to take those 27,500 officials, um, only 36% of them, so just over 10,000, have three or more years of officiating experience. So we all, I think, acknowledge the fact that in order to become a capable and a confident and uh, uh, official is that you need experience. You need to be able to go out and practice and to be able to have those experience, those game situations that occur that you can learn from and how to handle and and uh, and to to properly learn the the spirit and the intent of and then be able to apply that spirit and the intent of all of the rules that are out there um that it takes time it it takes experience it takes opportunity to go out and to live some of those types of situations to occur and uh you know quite frankly roughly two thirds of our officials don't have that necessary experience right now. And if you were to take that to five years, it actually goes down to about 27% that have five or more years of experience. So our basic core group of officials right now in USA hockey, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're young. Um, and if they're not young, they're probably on the older side. If anything, if we have a gap, it's going to be between that 20 and 40 year age group where we don't have a whole lot of participation and a smaller percentage. And then we have the old timers that are over 40 that have been around for a long time. And then we have the newer, younger officials that are under the age of 18. Um, and with all of that group, the vast majority of them um, are not necessarily um, experienced to the point where we can put them out in any game, in any circumstance, and to be able to set them up for success based on their experience level at this point right now. Yeah. So really interesting with those statistics. And I think we, we all know coaches, officials, parents, we all know it takes time to develop. And uh, it sounds like that that's something we, we kind of, as coaches, we need to be patient with and understanding that, Hey, listen, they are new, they are young, they are learning, and we need to be there to develop and help develop them. Um, and we'll get into development a little bit later on, but, uh, you know, Heather, what, what Matt just went over with, uh, some of the officiating numbers, what are some things that coaches can do to, to help with this, um, uh, you know, get, get the officials involved and then, and then keep them involved. Yeah. So those, uh, when I heard of those statistics, um, I think just like anybody else, when they first hear them think, holy crap. Okay. Um, so that means that, you know, what did I think it was two thirds. So we're roughly around 60% of the likelihood that your peewee game is, is being officiated by somebody with less than three years of experience is very high. 
Um, and so that's when we when we've heard those those stats. Um, again, going back to you know you know breaking down silos and building synergies, we we started to put uh, a segment in our coaching education curriculum that all four levels of coaches will receive to just kind of highlight those facts. Um, I think that with coaches having realistic expectations of what they can and what they should expect out of the officials that are officiating their their youth hockey games, I think sets the tone and just starts to humanize the other side. Um, we want our coaches to be passionate. We want our coaches to be competitive. At the same time, I think finding that common ground between coaches and officials is is paramount to creating a positive sport experience for everybody, but most importantly for the kids. Um, and recognizing that, you know, the likelihood that you have a kid roughing your game is pretty high. So having those realistic expectations, and Zach, you and I know on the player development side, everything that goes into development from, you know, the awareness, the, you know, in, they, so officials have to have that development as well, um, along with now, you know, knowing and knowing inside and out a very thick rule book that they're responsible for. So I think setting the 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 expectations for for coaches, or at least kind of highlighting those things um, for coaches to have and hopefully develop some realistic expectations can help set a better tone. And that's actually something that we've we've received a lot of feedback from the coaching ed side. Um, we always ask, you know, what are some of the things that that stuck out for you during these clinics? And the feedback that we're getting from this segment, basically around those statistics, are are you know very positive in the sense that, that a lot of coaches reply that I never even thought about that. I didn't realize that you know, our, our officials were that young or that inexperienced, um, maybe we should cut them a little bit of slack. And so we're not, you know, fixing the entire problem uh, in one year, but I think that's a, a step at least in the right direction of setting realistic expectations um, to kind of lower the temperature, if you will, um, on the bench. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's, that's perfect. And you, you mentioned something too, that um, you know, our players, we want to develop their awareness on the ice, but then the officials as well, they not only have to have that awareness on the ice, but they also have to have knowledge of that rule book. So um, one thing that's interesting for me is our, our players get to practice multiple times a week to develop their awareness. But oftentimes, um, officials are required to develop their skills in the game. So uh, Matt, what are some things that that we're that USA Hockey is looking to do, or that you guys are looking to do, uh, in terms of, you know, supporting officials' development, whether it's in games or getting them into some practices, things like that. Um, what are what are you guys all trying to do, uh, in an effort to develop those official those young officials to become better officials and hopefully feel they have that support and stay longer. Well, that's a great question, Zach, and I think there's a there's a variety of different things that USA Hockey as an organization is doing right now. Obviously, um, we're very much excited and looking forward to seeing um, the recommendations of the officiating task force um, that should be coming out uh, during our winter meeting here in early January. Um, and some of the things that uh, that they've discovered over the course of their work in the last 13 months um, and, and identifying problems, uh, trying to create solutions, trying to uh, put together all aspects of um, the environment that's created for youth hockey that has an impact on the environment or the atmosphere that officials are, are working and players are playing, quite frankly. The bottom line is, is we have a retention issue. 50% of our first-year officials are, are brand-new officials this year. 50% of them will not come back for next season. Okay, so that's that's where we get in. Uh, to being behind the eight ball a little bit from a retention standpoint. And if we can create an environment where where we just improve that retention rate to 65%, that's an additional 1,200 officials that now are gaining a second year or third year of experience um, that ultimately will become part of the solution and part of our more 
experienced core group of officials down the road. Um, and so what are we doing to do that? Number one is we're really emphasizing a mentor program. Um, we realize that just like the players, um, if they're not having a positive experience at practice, um, if they're not having a positive experience during games because of the environment that their coaches and or their parents are creating for them, their chances of sticking with the game or developing that passion, that lifelong passion for the game are pretty slim. It's no different with officials. If if they go out and they're not having a, a, a positive experience, if it's not a rewarding experience or they're not having fun, then why would they put themselves in a position to go out there and have every single time they blow the whistle, 50% of the people in the building be upset with them or disagree with what they've just done. So we we're trying to create a mentor program where they have that resource. They have someone that they can go to um, that's going to help them with the registration process. Um, that's going to help them get game assignments and get opportunities to work games, maybe go out and coach them up during their first several games. Um, the second part of that is a shadow program. Um, we have some local clubs or local associations that the first five games that every official works. So a brand new official, their first five games, they will have an experienced official out there in a track suit that will shadow them around the ice and be working with them and giving them instant feedback um, during that game and, and giving them the resources that they need to know where to be in the proper position, to know where the face-off location is going to go once that whistle blows, uh, to know where to put themselves in the best possible position to see what they're going to need to see based on uh, where the play is going to be and, and anticipating the play at that time. Um, we'd also like to recommend, and, and one of the things that we we want to get uh, moving towards is is having some 10U jamborees where a local club or a local league brings several 10U teams in to play a back-to-back -back series of, of scrimmages where we can constantly put officials, new officials out on the ice every period in a shadowing, in a mentoring type environment where they're getting that practice. Because right now, you're right, um, you know, a, a player goes and uh, before their season starts, they have some tryouts. They probably have about 10 to 15 practices before they play their first game. A brand new official right now goes to a six-hour seminar, does an hour ice session, okay, takes an open book exam, and their first real practice session is to go out and work a game. So to create those types of, of opportunities and those types of environments where the official can go out there and work cross ice in the eight and under, uh, eight and under classification, and just drop pucks, you know, and and learn to move around the play a little bit, and to create sight lines, and to to understand scoring opportunities, and and when to be at the net to a uh, to be able to point for a goal, uh, to be able to do a um, get that type of practical experience in a non threatening environment where they can gain their basic fundamental skills with some confidence and have a rewarding experience in doing that, that's ultimately what we're trying to strive for. And that's what's going to be the type of thing that's going to set these officials up for future success. So the, the mentorship program sounds like a, a really, really cool um, thing for even you know young kids to get involved with or, or older um, experienced officials to get involved with. So how... If I were uh, a, an official that wanted to get involved with this mentorship program, what what steps or avenues could I go through to get involved with that? I think the best step there is to, to reach out to your local supervisors, your local assigners, and just say, hey, you know, I'd love to be able to work with, with some younger officials and to be able to mentor them and, and provide um, them a resource for them to be able to, to have someone to go to. Um, and, and have someone that's going to support them and, and be able to pick up the phone, you know, after they worked their first few games and, and talk through some of the things, what were some of the challenges that they had, or to have someone when you had a bad day to be able to pick up the phone and just say, Hey, you know, I had this game today. Here's what happened. What can I do to make sure it doesn't happen again, or have it a good day and just share that positive experience, um, with someone. 
I think uh, to reach out to your local assigners, obviously it's not something that we can necessarily do from the national office. We can provide the framework. We can provide the, the, the skeleton and the structure, but ultimately it's going to have to be that local, um, that local group of officials through the assigners that create that environment and to match up those experienced officials with those younger officials. Yeah, Heather, I saw you took yourself off mute there, and I'm sure there's something that, that you want, wanted to say and share about how coaches can then help with this as well. Yeah, one of the things that we've um, – it actually came up from a coach in one of our clinics last year um, mentioned that they sometimes will ask brand-new officials to come out to their practices. And, I mean, especially this is – this could be really helpful transitioning from 8U to 10U where you're going from cross-ice to full-ice, um, you know, helping kids learn how to learn offsides. Getting, getting a brand new official out there, allowing them to, to get some reps at calling, you know, certain penalties or, you know, calling offsides. I think it's just, it's also another way to, to build relationships in the community between, you know, coaches and, and young officials. So we thought that that was such a great, you know, a great idea that we ended up putting it in our curriculum and, and as a suggestion uh, for coaches to, to just think about. Yeah, that, that kind of got me thinking. I, I mean, I'm just imagining myself designing a practice and having an official out there. And maybe it's just three on three cross ice and you put a line down the middle and you tell the kids you're playing with offsides and and you have an official out there that's skating up and down the ice. They're trying to call goals. They're trying to call um, you know penalties. They're trying to call offsides, things like that. It's uh, to what Matt said earlier, it's, uh, it's not high stakes. Um, so not only do you get them to develop in a low stakes environment, but also I would think you there's a little bit of some relationship building out there where the officials are out on the ice with the players. They get to know that official. They're developing along with that official. And so it can build some of those relationships together. So <clears throat> love yeah, that idea. And I think it's I think it's also important to hold your kids accountable in practices, right? And this is, you know, this is a coach and official uh, podcast, but that's something that for, from a player development standpoint, you know, what we permit in practices as coaches, you can't get upset if, uh, if they do it in the game. So, you know, calling offsides and calling penalties in practice is, I think, a really important thing to, to hold your kids accountable. Yeah, I love that. Get them out there. You want to take less penalties? Get an official out there. Get them calling. Uh, get them calling more penalties. And you know, maybe you tell the official, "Hey, I want you to call it tight," you know, and uh, or or whatever, you know. So, um, but either way, your players start to learn um, what they can and can't do. And uh, once again, then they can even say, go back to the official and say, "Hey, why'd you call that?" You know, what what you know, what were some things that you saw? Um, and then they can have the conversation player and official can have that little conversation there. So, um, so I think kind of with that said, um, I know <clears throat> that as a coach, um, or even a player, um, communication is really, really important in building these coach official relationships. So, uh, Matt, this one to you here, how can I best communicate with an official to create a positive conversation that, that really helps everyone? Look, I think I think the number one message that we need to get across to coaches and officials, and if we can get them to buy on to the basic principle that they're ultimately out there for the same goal, and that goal is to create a positive, competitive environment in which those teams compete. So coaches have an obligation to teach their kids the proper skills and to hold them accountable for playing within the rules regardless of, of teaching the rules and, and regardless of whether the official is doing their job or not. And the officials have the responsibility and are should be held accountable for going out and properly enforcing the rules with their best effort that they can do to create that positive and a safe environment for everyone. With that being said, if, if, if we have that common goal, then to me it makes perfect sense that we should be working together to achieve that goal. And working together means to communicate and open up those lines of communication. And uh, and basically, you know, sometimes we both have to, meaning both the coach and the official, have to take a little bit of the high road 
you know, in terms of opening up those lines of communication, maybe before the start of the game or, or taking an extra second during a stoppage to explain a penalty situation or a, or a, uh, a difficult situation. That's not normal. That's not a normal process of the game. The official can take that extra, extra 10 seconds to explain that and have the coach understand. Whereas the coach can, you know, respect the fact that, that, Hey, the official was in the proper position. The official had the best view of, of what potentially happened out there. The official is the one that likely knows the rules. So the chances are probably pretty good that they're right. You know, and, and I'm not going to change their mind anyhow. So maybe I shouldn't be spending a whole lot of time and, and devoting a whole lot of energy to try to change that call because it's not going to happen. But I think when you're dealing with, with younger officials, I think it's important for the coaches when the officials go over to shake their hands before the game and to introduce themselves, maybe it's that adult coach that, that needs to take the responsibility to, to lighten the mood a little bit or open up those lines of communication and make that younger or newer official feel a little bit better. With, with, with uh, an older, more experienced official, you know, maybe it's their opportunity, okay, to, to take the high road and lighten things up a little bit and introduce and, and open things up with that lesser experienced coach, you know, who may be a parent, a volunteer parent that's out working their, you know, their sons or their daughters, peewee or 12 U games. And uh, they don't necessarily have a whole lot of experience either. So working together to find that common, that common thread and, and, and doing so through communication I think is a, is a huge um, step in a positive direction. And, and uh, I know it's a big part of what Heather has put together with the coaching curriculum. And it's something that we're going to be focusing on as uh, we start to uh, renew and update our uh, officiating education curriculum as well. Yeah. And you talked, alluded to it a little bit, because I know I've seen some of the stuff that Heather's put together with this, uh, officiating Heather and her group have put together with some of this officiating stuff um, in terms of how coaches and officials work together. Um, so Heather, can you talk a little bit about some of the, like, there's two things there that Matt really talked about. That's the, the communication. And then he also alluded to it a little bit with perspective and, and how important that is that there's kind of two different perspectives out on the ice. Yeah. Um, so we actually, uh, we reached out to uh, hostage negotiators when we were building this uh, this segment. And it's funny because we, we mentioned that to coaches in our clinics. And at first people laugh and then they stop and pause. Hmm, that actually kind of makes sense. It's, you know, how do you build, you know, rapport and communicate quickly in a highly emotional situation? And so Matt alluded to finding that common ground and having you know, remembering that that common ground is to provide that positive competitive experience for for the kids and both coaches and officials should want that uh, for for that experience. And so, um, you know, a lot of our curriculum base is is on, you know, how do you how you ask questions is, I think, very important as well. So, you know, just even talking with uh, with some officials while we were building this segment, was, you know, even the question, you know, what did you see there sometimes comes off as a, as a gotcha question, you know, so coach you know, jumps down off the bench and says, you know, what did you see there? And, you know, that's something that as an official, they can answer and say, well, this is what I saw, but oftentimes it's, well, I didn't see that. And, and so, you know, even just taking that question and reframing it a little bit from, you know, what did you see there to, you know, how did that look from your angle? that changes the, that changes the tone that changes, you know, the, the overall, you know, energy of that conversation and, or something like, you know, what can I tell my player to do differently to avoid that call? So we're trying to keep our players on the ice, you know, officials are trying to provide a competitive experience. What can I tell my player to do differently in that one? I want to keep them out of the, out of the bed or out of the box. So even just the way you ask questions, I think is important. And, uh, and we also highlight the, like you mentioned, the different perspectives, you know, the more that we dig into this and the more that, you know, we, we start to uh, learn more about the, the officiating, what everything that they're going through, 
recognize that at no point in a game is my position on the bench going to provide the exact same sight line as the official on the ice. And so we do a, a couple of different clips where we show a penalty that looks really, really bad. It is, it looks really bad. It looks like, you know, a guy gets blown up, hit to the head, blood on the ice. Um, and then we show a different perspective of it. And it's actually, you know, his, his own stick hits him in the nose. And it's not nearly as bad as what it was, but we kind of highlight to coaches because in the clinic, we say, all right, what do you think the call is? And we get a whole lot of, you know, major game misconduct hit to the head, you know, there's blood. Um, and then we show the different perspective. And I think it's a, a moment of pause to say, okay, so in a youth hockey game, the officials have to make a split second decision. They get one chance to, to get it right. And they don't have instant replay to go back and, and say, okay, I got that call wrong, or maybe it should be a different call. So again, it goes back to you know recognizing and, and setting those realistic expectations of what we should expect from a young official or even a, a, just a human official that's on the ice trying to do the, the best they can and, and make the calls in the moment. So I think even the, the body language, um, we touch on that as well. So the difference between putting your foot on the dasher and you know yelling at, a, at an official from above uh, versus, you know, hopping down from the bench and, and having an eye to eye face to face, you know, conversation, just the body language can can set the tone and, and impact uh, the the overall outcome of that that conversation. Leifer mentioned it that, you know, I haven't seen a coach be able to overturn a, a call. Um, so, you know, getting clarification is one thing, but trying to argue your point to change a call may be a futile measure. Um, yeah, and so uh, so many really uh, interesting points there between uh, Heather and Matt. And so I'm going to kind of put you guys on the spot a little bit here. Um, and so I'll start with Matt. And if you could encourage officials to take action on one thing right now, what would it be? That's a complicated question. And the, and the reason I say that and, and the reason I'm going to I'm going to give you one thing. But that one thing leads into a whole bunch of little things that lead into that. And to me, that one thing is is take pride in being an official and going out and doing the best you can each and every time you step on the ice. Because for me, um, if I look at it from a coaching perspective, okay, and, and we all know that officials are the only avocation that are expected to start out perfect and only get better from there. Well, that's not reality is we're never going to be perfect. But what the what the coach or what the players and or the parents and their coaches should expect is that official goes out to work hard, okay, that they've they've done their homework, they've learned the rules, they've they've done whatever they can to prepare themselves to go out and be the best official that they can be out on the ice each and every time they step on the ice. And if they do that, I'm going to pretty much guarantee that things are probably going to go pretty well for that particular game. So for that official to take pride in what they do, which means to, to, to study the rules, to understand their proper application and the spirit and the intent of the rules, to put yourself in a position um, where you're healthy and to be able to go out and, and work hard and take pride in knowing that you're doing the best that you can regardless of what your skill set may be. Um, if you're going to work hard, my 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 assumption is going to be that game is going to go pretty hard or, or is going to go pretty well because that's going to be recognized. Okay, you want to work as hard as the players are working and, and even a little bit harder. And if you're putting in that effort, okay, that will ultimately, I think, be recognized by the parents, by the players, by the coaches, and that will be respected even though you're not going to be perfect. When you don't put in that effort, when you're just out there to get a paycheck or you're just out there to go half-ass through whatever it is to, and to just get through that game, that is what is also recognized. And I think that that's, that is what leads to a tremendous amount of frustration for players, parents, coaches, and everyone else that's involved in the game. Wow. 
uh, Matt, you got me ready to run through a wall and, and become an official. So let's say I want to uh, sign up to become a, a new official. Uh, what steps can I take in, in going towards that? Well, it's uh, it's a little bit late in the process here, but we can still get you going uh, rather quickly. Uh, first step would be to go to usahockey.com and, uh, and submit an application or submit the registration process as an official. Um, make sure that, uh, um, that you are checking the seminar dates and the, and the, the, basically the calendar, um, and the, uh, um, basically the library for when the seminars are taking place and, and specifically in your area and to make sure that there's still something that's scheduled that you can attend. Um, and if that's the process, or if, if you can find a seminar that you can attend at this late time, um, then I would say go for it. Um, you'll also need to complete a uh, open book, 50 question open book exam uh, at your leisure on usahockey.com. And uh, and basically based on, uh, you know, age and, and so forth, you, you may need the uh, safe sport and or the screening uh, with someone with your coaching uh, excellence. You've probably already taken care of that part of it, but um, some that may not be involved would also need to uh, fulfill those requirements. But bottom line is we'd love to have you involved. Uh, and, uh, and again, we, we, our registration season starts in June. So realistically, if, if, if it may be a little bit late to get some people started this season, because we, uh, we'll be wrapping up here December 31st. Um, you know, that, uh, come June 1st, uh, next summer, um, we'll be raring to go and, and, uh, have plenty of opportunities to get you started. Yeah, that's awesome. And it will link some of those, uh, things that Matt talked about. We'll put those um, in the show notes so that if someone is inspired by, by Matt's talk or, um, really want to get involved with officiating, whether it be this season or whether it be next season, uh, we'll provide some resources that, that you can then hop on, learn a little bit more and, and, and look to apply and get involved. And, um, so Heather, I want to turn this back over to you because I did put, uh, Leifer on the spot here. Um, if you could encourage coaches or players to take action on one thing right now, what would that be? I think it kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier. Um, just having, have realistic expectations. Um, and especially, you know, if, if the, if the one thing that officials can do is to take pride in giving and doing the best that they can out there, then I think that assuming positive intent on the, the coach and the, the player side, don't lose your passion. Don't, um, you know, I, I, we definitely don't want that, but we do want that having realistic expectations and assuming positive intent in terms of, you know, officials are, are trying to do the best they can. They're trying to make the calls um, as correctly as possible and, uh, and, you know, kind of cutting them a little bit of slack on that side. I think that, you know, the, the more empathy we can have from the officials towards coaches and coaches towards officials, I think the uh, the better the, the sport experience is for everybody involved. Awesome. So I uh, appreciate you both coming on here and kind of sharing both sides of the story and how we're looking to, to bridge the gap between the two um, coaching and officials, because at the end of the day, like you guys said, we're, we're all here for the same reason. Um, we love the sport. We want to make sure that uh, we do provide a competitive environment um, that's fair for our players and, and for the officials and respect is kind of at the forefront of that. So um, thank you both for coming on. Before I let you go, any last thoughts on this topic that we haven't covered yet that you think would be really important for people to know? So Zach, I did want to mention that um, as a once you become a level four coach, uh, we ha now have continuing education. And one of the things that we're trying to do is, again, I think one of the most dangerous coaches out there is a coach that knows the rule book. And one of the best ways to learn the rule book is to become an official yourself. And so um, for our level four coaches, they have to get five continuing education credits over three years. Um, and I think that what we have right now is if you become a level one official, that counts as your five continuing education credits. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone, uh, get a little bit of perspective uh, from the other side and uh, and become a better coach and help the game and continue to help the game. Yeah, I think from my perspective, Zach, I, I think the key is, is, is uh, we've made some really positive steps here in the last few years. 
um, and uh, in terms of creating a better working relationship with the coaching and officiating education programs. I think that uh, we're definitely heading in the right direction. I'm excited uh, to see uh, what the task force comes out with, because I think that that's also going to to place some considerable uh, responsibility with our affiliates and with our local youth hockey clubs to take a more vested interest in the success of officiating, recognizing that uh, us working together is, is, is ultimately what's going to be needed to create that more positive environment and help us on this, the side of retention of officials. Um, because the bottom line is if they're not going to have fun, if it's not going to be a rewarding experience, you know, just like, uh, just like us losing players at a certain age, we're going to continue to lose those officials. And, and, uh, um, we want to work together to, to create a lifelong passion for the game, uh, for all of our membership, including the officials, including coaches, including players. So, um, I'm very excited about, uh, working with Heather moving forward on the education component and, and updating our curriculum and excited about, uh, the two programs working together, uh, to best create a positive, uh, atmosphere for the game to, to, to prosper at all levels. So, uh, appreciate the opportunity to be with you today, and uh, let's uh, let's just make sure that we make this our best season ever. Uh, whether you're a coach, whether you're an official, parent, uh, player, whatever it is, let's make this one our best. Yeah, I love that. And and Matt, if if someone wanted to get involved with you, um, or sorry, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, um, where could they find you? Um, at the national office here, the best, uh, avenue is probably through, uh, email, uh, Matt L M A T T L at USA hockey.org. Uh, and, um, or to, to call the national office and, and to go through, uh, that process, uh, to, to get a hold of us. Um, we're, we're, we're available as much as we can be and, and, uh, want to work together to make the game better. All right. Heather, same thing to you. How would, uh, People want to get in contact with you. How would they do that? Yep. Uh, so same thing. Email is heather.manix. That's M-A-N-N-I-X at usahockey.org. Um, on Twitter as well at, at hmanix14. Um, you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your time so much. Uh, this was an awesome conversation. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. Registration is open for the 2023 USA Hockey Level 5 Coaches Symposium. The Level 5 Coaching Symposium is where aspiring coaches from across the country will gather to attain the highest certification offered by USA Hockey. This year's Coaching Symposium is set for May 4th through the 7th, 2023 at the Seacrest Beach Hotel in Falmouth, Massachusetts. The Level 5 will offer large group and small breakout sessions, giving you the opportunity to explore and apply innovative approaches to coaching. The final list of speakers will feature some of the most accomplished coaches from across the world. We hope to see you there this spring.